It's time for the February 18th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on this warm winter's day from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI, 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, the world's first state-of-the-art unemotional comfort animal, Mahler, the fake news dog. Whoa, Mahler. Yeah, good morning. I, good morning, boy. How you doing? How you doing? You really, yeah, you? there you go. Play? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Play? Yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get it. You know, yeah. I, before the show started, he was out in the pasture, and I could hear him practicing that, that intro. That intro? Yeah, that intro when you, you know, when he announces his arrival. Yeah. He really leans into it. Yeah. Takes him a while to get yeah. up to that. Good for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Good boy. Yeah. Today, we'll be talking about solar canals, avocado protection money, Trump the chump, a freaking miracle, and then some, but first. You know that thing on uh, when you turn your computer on and then you go to that World Wide Web place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then... It's a scary place. It's a scary place. But then there's this thing called, uh, I think it's Bookface. <laughs> Is that what it is? Something like that. Book yeah. face. Book Do you face. ever use that book face? I hate book face. Yeah. I, I don't like it at all. And not for all the reasons that you might think. Zuckerberg's an a-hole. But I but I don't, no, I don't like it. I never have. Zuckerberg is an a-hole. Mm-hmm. You, you heard me say that. I you? don't understand that at all. That's oh. strange language to me. Okay. <laughs> what is this thing you call Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg. From Gizmodo. Yes. At a virtual all-hands meeting... Facebook upped its attempts to not only rebrand itself, but also manage its demoralized and often adversarial workforce with a new set of corporate values inspired by a naval slogan. Oh, my God. Did you hear about this? No. Ah, it's exciting news, about Mike. That's why it's right at the top. That's why I come here every Friday morning is yeah. because of this kind of stuff. Go ahead. CEO Mark Zuckerberg, yeah. who renamed the company Meta yeah. late last year, yeah. laid out the plans in three words, just three words, three he words. laid out his big it's plan, nice. Meta, Metamates, and me. You get there's a little alliteration in there? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Meta, Metamates, Meta and me. Okay. Employees would be expected to first prioritize Meta. That's why it's up on the top there. Gotcha. Meta. Got a Meta. Yeah, Meta. Followed by a person's team, Metamates. Okay. That either sounds like some sort of capsule vitamin you know <laughs> did you take your metamate today <laughs> maybe or, maybe something you spread on bread a uh, metamate that's true yeah because you know yeah. australians are like metamate you know you you put it on your bread did you put it on your on like your, nutella on your barbie what what's that like nutella yeah like nutella there only, you go that's it only, only it's metamate yeah metamate yeah. or it sounds vaguely sexual too to me <laughs> that could be i don't know why followed by the individual <laughs> me meta metamates me okay if metamates is a verb, then metamate, metamates me is a sentence. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Zuck said that the company's corporate values would be live in the future and be direct and respect your colleagues. How original. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. How about just living, you know, yeah. live? Yeah. 
Let's do that. How about not facilitating all of the worst kind of information that's undermining <laughs> our ability to to coexist? That's kind of and a then long... pretending like you have nothing to do with what is happening. That doesn't fit uh, yeah, on the slogan little, board. Yeah, 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 that should have been the thing. Uh, previously, his uh, corporate value was be open instead of be direct and respect your colleagues. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. Years ago, that's big news. <laughs> Years yeah. ago, the company's slogan of move fast and break things, remember that? Yeah, yeah. Was changed to just move fast. Okay. I would have changed it to just break things, but <laughs> oh, well, well, I know. There's aspirational, yeah. move fast. Move fast. And then there's the reality, break things. Well, I think he wanted, you know, he was a rebel back yeah, then. I know, you know, I know. <laughs> Mark was a rebel. Yeah. This week, the company announced it would now be move fast together. Uh, so you're moving fast, but you want everybody to move fast. What if I don't want to move fast? Right. Then what? Do I get off that book face place or what? <laughs> well, I think that's good advice generally. Yeah. But yeah. I, now, I know a little bit about Nathan Callahan, and uh -huh. I, I may be wrong about this, but yeah. I believe in your work time experience, you've never worked in a, what I would call a truly corporate environment, have you? I worked at General Motors. Oh, that's right. But, but I were, was, I was were, on the floor. Yeah, you, you were know, on I the lawn. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you ever have worked in a right. sort of corporate kind of, and I have. Is Dalton Bookseller corporate? <laughs> well, did you go to big meetings with the CEO and the vice presidents of different divisions did you yes really yes wow you must be a corporate guy i and i can't tell you how many how those... about the city of irvine does that count you got mayors and stuff there okay okay i had to meet with corporate people but do you ever sit in a meeting where <laughs> where, you, where you hear this kind of nonsense coming out what, of the what, what we're saying well <laughs> what oh Mark, the meta mate meta mate yeah. meta me meta, oh yeah, yeah all yeah. the time and the eye rolling that's going on either figuratively or literally around the room watching people try to absorb one more one more layer of bs that they don't want to hear and they have huh. to because otherwise they'd lose their job yeah and i i can imagine these are pretty sophisticated people who work in these kind of companies yeah and to hear what is obviously damage control coming out damage of the mouth control. of yeah this is what this is about to me yeah good in a tweet facebook chief technology officer andrew bosworth said that the saying meta 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 mates me meta meta mates me i got to get that down otherwise mark's going to get upset when i show I will, up in his office i will office think later nothing today. less of you if you don't get that down it was in reference to, this Andrew Bothworth said that yeah. meta meta mates me was in reference to a naval phrase, okay. which Instagram has used, ship shipmate self. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm glad I'm not part of this corporate uh, oh, internet. I, I'm part be. of the internet. Yeah. I've yeah. been with it since the beginning, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. I, I was uh, like sending out emails when the word webmaster meant something yeah yes yeah, that's I, all you could send was emails that's right i sent it up to well, stanford university chat rooms and chat yeah. boards What's that's that? what you'd send them there in the hopes that somebody on the chat room would yeah would now, this is before all that it was just like getting a new a paper to somebody yeah. uh, you know uh, yeah. something to review a document yeah. you were sending a written document all right all right and if you didn't put in the code to end the document it erased everything you had worked on. <laughs> was, and, it, was it? Was it? Or just made a little mistake in the code? You right. know, just one. Yeah. 
you know, forward slash instead of backslash. Wasn't, you actually had to put in the word end something? As something, I, I so forget. You had to actually I tried to forget all In brackets, that. So yeah, yeah, I think you had yeah. to do that. Uh, this guy's tweet also said that the term metamates was coined by the scholar Douglas Hofstetter. He wrote Gertel Escherbach many years ago. I read that. That's good. Okay. Although I, I thought it was flawed. It was good. What was the name of the book? Gertel Escherbach. Okay. G-O-D-E-L. Okay. Gertel. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Douglas Hofstetter uh, did this thing, this metamates thing. Guy, he's fallen. After an employee reached out for, to him for ideas. That was probably an aside. Yeah, I call them metamates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the changes, they make it like this is genius or something. The changes were ridiculed by some employees, well, as you would say, there you go. who described them as corporate indoctrination and meta out of touch. <laughs> yeah. I just really, I truly hope that Mark Zuckerberg is circling the drain yeah. a little bit on this one. <laughs> what do you think, Bob? Yeah. You got any comments? Yeah, I really do. Well, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> From the Washington Post, you heard about that place, right? Yes. Post they had, they had, they were a big deal back in the Watergate days. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. They're they're hot shot. They're, they're conservative. They're, I mean, literally, we're down to two newspapers that people acknowledge as. Well, if you're if you live on the other side of yeah, the tracks, yeah, maybe L.A. Times too. But no, I, no, I'm just saying yeah. that if you if you watch Fox News, these two newspapers that you're going to mention, the Washington Post yeah. and the New York Times, yeah, they're the worst. They're the wellspring of all that's evil. Yeah, for them, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, from the wellspring of all that's evil, <laughs> Israel's iconic communal farms, known as kibbutzim, you know, kibbutz. Yeah, yeah. Kibbutzim. Yeah. Have faced a constant threat of extinction since the country pivoted to capitalism four decades ago. I was wondering if I should use that word pivoted or not. The Washington Post did. Oh. Because, okay. you know, it's one of those yeah. worn out words, yeah. but what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, but a lucrative new cash crop is now promising to help the kibbutz movement alive. Stay alive. You know what that is? That new crop? Is it something that you can ingest? In a manner of speaking, okay, yes, ahead. you can. Okay. In many ways, yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm sure you could uh, I... use it as a suppository, and it would, <laughs> it would nourish your soul. Okay. Cannabis. Okay. Yeah. Cannabis okay. kibbutz. Yeah. <laughs> Dozens of kibbutzim have entered Israel's growing medical marijuana industry as it moves to the country's mainstream. Yeah. After Israel approved marijuana exports in 2020 and lawmakers introduced a bill last fall to make cannabis more available domestically, the country is now anticipating hundreds of new cannabis-related jobs and a financial windfall, just like California, uh, forecast to reach 2 to $3 billion a year. Yeah. And we've run short on that. Yeah, we had higher expectations, yeah, yes, but yes. I think they're moving in the right direction. Yes. By the way, interesting fact Israel was one of the first countries to allow for research of, of on marijuana. Yeah. Many, many years ago, they were doing actual medical and they were smoking medicinal, it legally. Yeah, research on this. Yeah, they were smoking a lot of it. Kibbutzim hold rare permits for vast areas of land and can raise the capital to build the kinds of high-tech greenhouses needed to clone, grow, and monitor marijuana at levels necessary to meet Israel's medical standards. Yeah. 
I guess it's kosher marijuana. <laughs> this is according to former Israeli Prime Minister and former kibbutz Nick Ehud Barak. Oh, yeah. You know about that guy? Yeah, I remember. Who is now chairman of the Intercure Marijuana Farm. Well, That's what he's doing now, these days. Now, there's a corporate meeting I'd like to be at. Yeah. You know, I'd, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, if when he comes up with all the BS, yeah, people would just take another hit and just, go, yeah. yeah, go ahead, uh, Ehud. or what's this? I'm sorry, I forgot how to say his first name. Ehud. Ehud. That's Ehud. Yeah. Chill, man. Take this. Yeah. And then, yeah. What are we doing? They suddenly yeah. he's like, why are we sitting here? Kibbutzmates. Kibbutzmates. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Meta kibbutzmates. <laughs> kibbutz. Whatever. I can't talk today. Yeah. You didn't sleep last night, did you? Who told you? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was apparent when you walked in here. Yeah. You're stumbling in here. Yeah. It was bad. What, what happened? Uh, Are just you a, allowed to say? No, just a busy week, and then I had to edit the show, and uh, I went to bed at 3 o'clock last night. Well, so. that's coming up next. Yeah, that Film is. Film school. Yeah, don't get your hopes too high on that one either. <laughs> oh, I will. It should be a great show. They always are. Oh, yes. Barack is a, among a growing number of former politicians, security chiefs, and other high-profile public figures who have been joining the boards of Israeli cannabis companies as consultants and investors and have been trying to advance the industry by securing regulatory reforms. Good. That's what's going on there now. Good. It's starting to happen here, but they're hiding more than yeah. they are over in yeah. Israel. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. never hear that. All these conservative Republicans are buying up plots of lands to grow pot. That could be a good story. They should get into that. They a little should. Bit more. And yeah. what, a, what a horrible turn of events! You know, if they, if all of a sudden, well, jo John Boehner, right? Yeah. He's in the business of lobbying for big, big pot now. Yeah, right? big pot. Big pot. Where it goes from big tobacco to big pot. Yeah, exactly. Girl. Well, it might not be a horrible turn. I mean, it's horrible in that it's those people. Yes. But at the same time, maybe marijuana will work its magic on them. You never know. I hope so. Uh, right, right, Mueller? Yeah. yeah. If this news makes you want to light up, may I recommend, Mahler, may I recommend a donation to KCI to bring a warm smile to your face? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech. KUCI 88.9 FM. Were you a good skier, Mike? For a guy that didn't know how to ski when I moved up to Mammoth, yeah. I literally did not know. You did not know. What did you do that for? That's a crazy thing to it do. It was. I was just out of college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I so somebody... you thought... I don't know how to ski. I'll go to a ski resort. Kinda, yeah. That, that explains not exactly a lot, what happened, yeah. but but I, I got to be pretty good. I hung out with a bunch of guys who were really good, and they almost killed me a couple times. But I got to be okay. They said go down there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had that happen to me. Did you? Yeah, the one time that I skied. Oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Go down there. Okay. Yeah, I could. A half an hour later. <laughs> exactly. After fifty falls and. and and you Dangerous know, ex falls. Exactly. Yeah. And, and guys like that, I know yeah. exactly the type. They think it's funny on yeah, some yeah. level that, hey, watch what we do. Yeah. Watch Nathan. Look at the, yeah. you know, watch you head over heels yeah, down exactly. the hill. Yeah, With, no, with I know. two metal prongs attached to yeah. your feet. Just strapped yeah. to you. Yeah, I know. I know. The fact that I didn't have a major knee injury is, yeah. a, is, a, is a really kind of amazing, actually. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, from the New Republic. Is winter dead? Oh, yeah. Is it dead? 
Global warming's threat to winter sports has become obvious as the world watched the Beijing Winter Olympics, the first ever Winter Olympics held without any natural snow. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know that, and I, I haven't watched more than five minutes of the, the Olympics, but yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. But mountain towns and winter sports enthusiasts all around the globe have known about this problem for quite a while yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are no longer able to rely on the onset of winter toward the end of November. Yeah. The American West has been hit hard, with the mountains there losing 20... Mountains here. Yeah. That's not there. That's here. Yeah. We're losing 20% of our uh, snowpack since the 1970s. I would imagine it's a little bit more in most places. 20% uh -huh. overall. Yeah. By the end of the century, the Rockies, the Sierra Nevada, and the Cascades could lose another 50%. And the unthinkable happened this past December when fires broke out in winter in Boulder, Colorado. You know? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Climate change has cut snow seasons shorter than ever. Local residents, powder lovers. Did you, were you ever called a powder lover? No, I hated, what was, I hated powder. You didn't like powder? Well, in, in the Sierra Nevada mountains, it's close to the ocean. Yeah. As you go further west or further east, it becomes more powdery because it's got less moisture in it. So they uh, used to call it, they used to call it, um, oh God, what was it called? Sierra Nevada cement. Ah, that's what they so it was very slushy. So after it's it's great at first, yeah. but then it just gets compacted and it's slushy. slick, almost like oh you get, slushy. You get a little bit of sunshine, a little bit a day of where it's uh, yeah. But then warmer. if it freezes up again, it gets icy. Then it comes. They call it blue ice, Ooh. and that's not good. You could that's be okay. you can be skiing on something what looks good, yeah, and all of a sudden you hit one of those patches, yeah, and you better know what you're doing because you'll just slide forever, and that's not a that you can really get into trouble when blue ice, blue ice, not good. Anyway, all these local powder lovers and the whole winter sports industry are now wondering, could we only have a limited number of good snow seasons left? Yeah. I that think, could be. I think you're I think they're right. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I never I mean, learned how to, I never learned how to nah. ski in powder. I never did, so I should you never say. learned to ski on powder. Nope. Well, some kind of powder you learned how to ski on. Well that was the eighties. Let's not go there, okay? okay? I mean come on. Come on. Fess up. From the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, mm -hmm. right? Isn't that yeah. what they say? N-O-A-A? -A? National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The shorelines of the United States are projected to face an additional foot of rising seas over the next three decades, intensifying the threat of flooding and erosion to coastal communities across the country. Now, people always say, oh, a foot, what's a foot? But a foot can be a lot if you do it over... If that's the average, if everything goes up a foot, right. you start flooding things you don't even think about flooding. That's right. Like yeah, uh, the underground actually is, I think, affected even more. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, Miami already at King Tides, uh, if you get in Miami and a lot of Florida coastlines now, yeah. it's a it's a, a regular occurrence now. They get flooding. Yeah. I mean, and sig significant flooding. Human-caused climate change, driven mostly by the burning of fossil fuels, has accelerated global sea level rise to the fastest rate in more than 3,000 years. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration predicted that ocean levels along U.S. coasts will increase as much by 2050 as they did over the past century. They like to do comparisons like that yeah. nowadays. Yeah. This amount of water battering the coast will create a profound increase in the frequency of coastal flooding, even in the absence of storms or heavy rainfall. Right. 
we're unfortunately headed for a flood flood regime shift. That's kind of a fancy word, huh? Said William Sweet, Bill Sweet, an ocean oceanographer at the NOAA National Ocean Service and the nation's top scientist on sea level rise. This is the nation's top scientist on this stuff. Why would we want to believe him? You know, we just had a, not a serious fire, but we had a fire in February along the coast here in Newport Beach. A few, we, what? we had a, a, a fire at El Moro Bay yeah. a week ago in February. We're getting, so we have almost a continuous fire season now. And now as the sea levels rise, one of the other terrible things that will happen is that as it rises, it will begin to saturate the ground and the, and the groundwater will become polluted by salt water. So yeah. we're going to lose a lot of fresh water in addition to the fact that it's going to be flooding our, our, our land. It's also going to make it unfarmable at yeah. some point. So there are a number of different things that start to kick in when the sea levels rise that are going to be absolutely devastating yeah. on many different levels. This Bill Sweet guy also said there will be water in the streets unless action is taken in more and more community. Water in the streets. And yeah. people scoff at that, yeah. but it's salt water in the street. It is. That's one thing. It's, That's a lot different. It's corrosive. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. Even if the world takes swift action to curb carbon emissions, he said, yeah. the trajectory for sea level rise is more or less set for the next 30 years. Right. So we're in for it. Yeah, we are. Right now. We are. We're doing it. This is what, this is what you and I talked about many years ago on this show. All too these stories. Ago. Too long Not that long ago in some ways, but too long ago for the fact that no significant action has, been, has taken place to mitigate it. Yeah. From Los Angeles Times, according to a new study, the extreme dryness we've experienced in the American West for more than two decades now ranks as the driest 22-year period in the last 1,200 years. And it's much more than a drought. The trend in the West can be thought of as aridification yeah, or long-term change to dry weather. In yeah. other words, we're moving into just dry weather. We're getting dry weather, period. It's not just a drought. That's our permanent condition. That's an interesting uh, concept. We can know we should stop calling it a drought. I I said that a couple of years ago okay, when yeah. when they kept having a drought and then oh the drought's over and then six months later oh we're having a drought yeah. and then oh the yeah. drought's over yeah. back and forth when yeah. you knew something more serious was going on. So so what that story is saying, if correct me if I'm wrong, is that we are now in a situation that would be considered normal. Yeah. That we're not getting any rain, right? Yep. Park Williams, a climate scientist at UCLA and the study's lead author, said the West is prone to extreme variability from dry periods to wet periods, like a yo-yo, uh, or you might say like the 90 degrees we had one week and the hail we had this week. Yeah. But these variations are now superimposed on a serious drying trend with climate change. So everything's getting drier. We're in, we're going to have extremes, which is exactly what they've said about climate change 30 years ago. Yeah. We need to understand that the water budget of the West is changing beneath our feet rapidly, William said. We need to be prepared for a much drier future and not rely so much on hope 
that when it gets wet again, we can just go back to business as usual. Yes. I don't know. I can't remember how much you mocked me over this idea. I'm sort of trying to remember. How I think much? I yeah. probably quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think I talked to my psychiatrist about us. We had a little I'm sure discussion. You did. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that is, there's too much water on the other side of the Rockies. And there's not enough. Oh, you want to ship it over here? Not ship it. I think they could come up with kind of an aqueduct of sorts for moving water from that side of the Rockies to this side of the Rockies. I mean, I don't know. I think it would be easier for us to just move over to the other side of the Rockies. That may be. That may be. But I'm just saying. I think that'll come anyway. In in terms of big projects, big kind of, uh, you know, government-sponsored projects, I think there should be some discussion about is there a way to move the water that's on the other side of the Rockies to this side of the Rockies? With the way our governments run, and that's not to criticize the way it's run for the last hundred years, I'm just saying that in yeah. a democracy there has to be debate right. and discussion, and then we have to listen to the idiots who hold up snowballs and say, right. you know, right. there's no global warming, look, right. I can make a snowball. We have to do all that. Right. It would be so long before your idea would come to fruition right. that we'd all be dead. Right. Even under the best circumstances, it would be a yeah. 20-year project. Yeah. Even if we tomorrow morning said, that Mike guy's got a great idea. Let's do that. Yeah. It would be 20 years before anything. You know, happened. Mike, that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's build an aqueduct yeah. from China. <laughs> Just, yeah. They're always flooding on that side of the Rockies. On the other side, they're always flooding. You're always yeah. reading about there's 10 feet of water in New Orleans. And, well... You know, well, that's quite a way from well, the other uh, side of the well, Rockies. Well, I'm just saying, you get a lot of water on that side. From the hill, the Turlock Irrigation District. This is a happier story. Good. A utility company in Turlock, California, is par- partnering with the state's Department of Water Resources and the University of California, Merced, on a project that involves covering several open water canal segments in Stanislaw County with solar panels. Yeah. The purpose is to test whether the concept could result in a reduction of water evaporation, improve water quality through reduced vegetative growth, and generate renewable electricity in a state aiming to decarbonize by 2030. There you go. The $20 million project is funded by the state of California and groundbreaking is expected sometime in the fall with completion in 2024. The project stemmed from a University of California study which found that solar panels covering 4,000 miles of the state's water canals could cut water evaporation by as much as 82% and save about 63 billion gallons of water annually, about the same amount required to irrigate 50,000 acres of farmland. And provide power. Yeah. Researchers also show that covering the canals with solar installations could generate about six of about six one-sixth of the state's current installed energy capacity. About half the projected new capacity needed to meet California's goal of cutting greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2030. And jobs and a way of life and a blah, blah, blah. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 Mahler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM, on Facebook at, at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on the web at KUCI.org. Yeah, Molly, what is it? You don't like Bloomberg? 
I'm trying to read a story about Bloomberg. He about like... Bloomberg? No, it's from Bloomberg.com. Oh, it's from, well, that's, you know, that's okay. He's not a fan, but yeah. I like the story. Yeah. The U.S. government suspended all imports of Mexican avocados after a U.S. plant safety inspector in Mexico received a threat. Yeah. Avocado experts are the latest victim of the drug cartel turf battles and extortion of avocado growers in the West State of Mich Mich Michoacan. Michoacan. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, right. Michoacan. Sorry about that. Michoacan, the only state in Mexico fully authorized to export to the U.S. market. They're the only place down there that can export to us, and they're having troubles with the cartels, the drug cartels, because they're growing avocados. So Michoacan. Many avocado growers say drug gangs threaten them or their family members with kidnapping or death unless they pay protection money, sometimes amounting to thousands of dollars per acre. Because the United States also grows avocados, U.S. inspectors work to, working in Mexico to ensure uh, exported avocados don't carry diseases that could hurt U.S. crops. That's why they're down there. Mm -hmm. It was only in 1997 that the U.S. lifted a ban on Mexican avocados that had been in place since 1914 wow. to prevent a range of weevils, scabs, and pests from entering U.S. orchards. I got to imagine that some of that, too, was... Yeah, good old American. Well, protecting our businesses yeah, yeah. or whatever you want to say. Right. It's not the first time that the violence in Michoacan, where the Jalisco cartel is fighting turf wars against a collection of local gangs known as the United Cartels, had threst, has threatened avocados, the state's most lucrative crop. Yeah. Yeah. So avocados. that guacamole that, that you had at the Super Bowl party could have... I didn't. We'll get it, to the Super Bowl. Did no, you watch it? Um, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, I didn't watch very much. I don't have any. I watched the last part. I had neither avocados nor Super Bowl. No Super Bowl. I watched the last quarter, I yeah. think. Last I don't even quarter. think of that much, yeah. Super Bowls and avocados. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Why is that a thing? It's marketing. I yeah. don't know. Somebody, somebody likes guacamole and they, I don't know. Don't ask me. It's some something. Do you remember Donald Trump's trade war, Mike? Remember yes, that thing? yes, I do. Yeah. He bragged yeah. about it all the time. Yeah. It's a good thing he didn't have a trade war on avocados. <laughs> this is from Paul Krugman's New York Times newsletter. Right. Trump's trade war was uniquely Trumpian. Yes, it was. Yeah. It also had a lot to do with UCI. Tell well, in fact, we had that Peter Navarro guy. Oh, that's right. We bred him here. That's right. This is the Petri dish from which he came. Yeah. Yes, yes. His other policy actions, Trump's other policy actions, were mostly standard-issue Republican, but the rest of his party didn't share his obsession with trade deficits. In fact, he probably wouldn't have been able to do much on that front, except for the fact that the U.S. law gives presidents enormous discretion when uh, setting tariffs. Yeah. Yeah. Only Trump really considered trade deficits an important issue, and he bragged about what he called his historic trade deal. Trade deal with China, where supposedly uh, China uh, agreed to buy an additional $200 billion in U.S. goods and services by the end of 2021. Right. That didn't happen. No. Trump's trade war was a complete flop. Yeah. Complete flop. Yeah. And he still brags about it. From top to bottom. Yeah. He still Trump, brags about how he, he, he got over on the Chinese, how yeah. he's the only guy who could have done it. Well, just the opposite. Trump was a chump. Yeah. The Chinese took him to the cleaners. Yeah. The fact that the shocks we've been experiencing since 
uh, well, let's put it this way, China bought none of the additional $200 billion of exports Trump's deal had promised. Right. None. None. Zero. Yeah. Remember that chip manufacturer that was going to go into some place in Wisconsin, I believe. Oh, that too. Yeah. That wasn't the trade. Uh, no, it's war, another deal another... that Trump bragged about, right? So it the Fox, Foxcom was the, yeah. the Apple, the guys who make the Apple chips or put the Apple stuff together. And they were going to build a big factory in Wisconsin. That turned out to be a, the guy just ripped them off. Well, that was just a con, I yeah, think. Yeah, that was just a con. Whereas this is con, just yeah, yeah. bad policy. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Exposed. Yeah. Not only that, but we've been experiencing since the pandemic began uh, things that make Trump's trade view look even more economically foolish than it did when he took office. In the world, according to Trump and Peter Navarro, yeah, the guy who yeah. came here, came from uh, UCI and uh, jumped into being his policy advisor on China. The story goes that, uh, was it Eric Trump was, went online and looked under uh, books on China trade. And, and idiots who've written them. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how he, he yeah. uh, recruited this guy, yeah. Peter. Peter. That's the man he chose as his trades are. International trade is a zero-sum game, according to them. If other countries buy stuff from America, we win. If we buy stuff from them, we lose. That's not the way it works. Uh, it's, it completely ignores the point that imports can make us richer because the whole reason we buy some goods from abroad is they're cheaper or they're better. Yeah. You can't help that sometimes. Right, right. This is especially true in the modern world economy where many products that enter international trade are intermediate goods like parts that are used in production. Right. So you might buy a chip from China because mm -hmm. it's cheaper and it's better. Yeah. I don't like that, but that's the way it works. Right. As it turned out, Trump's tariffs disproportionately affected intermediate goods, so the tariffs raised U.S. production cost and, according to almost all estimates, reduced the number of manufacturing jobs. Yeah. Unfortunately, even though Trump was China's chump, Republicans would pro wouldn't protest any action that could be construed as a gift to China. They would protest that, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. That's where we are right now. Right. Even though that policy was a failure, Republicans would protest anything that conceded that to China. It's kind of this knee-jerk reaction that they have. You say China, and yeah. immediately the hackles. Yeah. Even if the tariffs hurt us more, they wouldn't want to right. do anything about the tariffs. Right. Trump's trade policies were foolish and costly. They failed by any measure you choose, but it may be a long time before any president is in the position to undo the damage because of what the Republicans won't admit. I, the one side of that that I think might have contributed to it was that the Trump family was doing a lot of business oh, yeah. with China. Yeah. Ivanka was doing a lot of business with China. God knows Trump's got some, probably some kind of, he thought he had some kind of deal going. So that's the part of it you, in addition to being horrible policy, is this ongoing grifting, grifting crime spree. Which he, right during that time when there. he was doing this trade deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ivanka is getting like 30 uh, copyrights, trademarks in China. Right. And I forget, I think it was Mnuchin's wife or some connection was going over to China and selling those visas. They were getting, they were buying a condo and a visa, right? right? Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, they're getting like yeah. $500,000, you oh, know, as, a, as like a bonus. To, they were just, this was, whole thing was a grift. Everything about that administration. Yeah. Yeah, bonus Mahler. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Think it was, bonus. I think it was Benucci's family. Yeah. yeah, you're right. 
You're right. Absolutely right on Mnuchin's wife. I forget yeah, her name yeah, now. But yeah. From the Houston Chronicle, a restrictive new voting law in Texas has sown confusion and erected hurdles for voters casting ballots in the state's March 1st primary. Election administrators have rejected early batches of mail ballots at historic rates. In recent days, thousands of ballots have been rejected because voters did not meet a new requirement to provide an identification number inside the return envelope. Jesus. So they're just nulled. They're gone, those votes. In Harris County, the state's most populous county and home to Houston, election officials said 40% of roughly 3,600 return ballots so far have lacked the identification number required under State Bill Number 1, as the new law is known. In Williamson County, a populous northern suburb of Austin, the rejection rate has been about 25% in the first few days that ballots have come in. Which I'm sure blows away all previous iterations of this, right? Yeah. This is probably far and away the re rejection rate is yeah. far beyond what they've experienced. Well, they say there's the a learning curve and people will catch on to what's going on. But meanwhile, you've disqualified over 5,000 votes in Texas. Right, right. Among other changes, the wide-reaching law also empowers, if that's the right word, partisan poll watchers by imposing penalties on poll workers who impede their ability to observe the voting process. So in other words, if you have some guy elbowing his way back behind the, you know, the counter there where people are handing out ballots and then screaming that he's being uh, harassed, harassed. Or, yeah, whatever it is, then the poll uh polling place worker can get in trouble for that that doesn't sound good yeah i don't know what to say i don't know what's going to happen in 2022 i've heard conflicting reports about whether or not the democrats are going to be eviscerated or not There's the, the the good news is the republicans are consistently putting forward lunatics to run for these offices yeah. And that may mitigate how much of an advantage the Republicans have, because there's a bunch of people in the middle. There are the undecided, the the not the undecided, the unaffiliated voters who will probably determine the fate of the country. Yeah. From Common Dreams, of the many commercials and advertisements displayed during the superb owl, the most prominent was for the personal finance company with naming rights to SoFi Stadium. <laughs> You watch the Superb Owl, right? <laughs> I, yeah. That's SoFi. Yeah. SoFi, the company, offers a range of financial products and services, but what drew the most attention and ire during Sunday's game was the company's role in the lucrative student loan refinancing business, which is set to receive a major boost if President Joe Biden allows the federal student debt repayment moratorium to expire on May 1st. <sighs> I, I still can't believe... Yeah, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not in it yet. <laughs> I can't believe this game is being played at Student Debt Stadium. This is Bernie Sanders. I'm oh, trying yeah, my okay, best okay. It did, it, it, <laughs> I don't know what it's sounding that's like. A, now. That's it's pretty too good. Early that's in the pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> How does it happen that SoFi, a student loan refinancing company, could spend $625 million <laughs> to put its name on the L.A. Rams football stadium when 45 million Americans are drowning in $1.8 trillion in student debt? There you go. That's Bernie Sanders. Thank you, Bernie. I tried. No, that's good. You Today would be a good day for the president to cancel student debt. Yeah. On the Super Bowl day. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. 
Despite the sustained pressure from indebted former students, civil rights groups, and progressive lawmakers who say he has authority to do so via executive order, yeah. which he does, he does, Biden has so far refused to enact broad-based cancellation of student loan debt, opting instead for more narrow forgiveness. Cancellation of 50, in other words, you have to apply for it, you go through a whole process, and maybe you'll get something out of it. Right. Cancellation of $50,000 in federal student loan debt per borrower could fully wipe clean the debt burdens of 36 million borrowers. Now, you know, of course, they're going to ha they're having trouble with monthly payments and, and financial struggles. But that money that they would receive would boost the economy. It would be In incredible for the economy. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. And by the way, there, there's somewhere between complete debt relief and debt relief up to $50,000. Yeah. Okay, and SoFi, I, you know, thank you for reminding me. That's how SoFi got to be known as the company that was going to help you with your student debt. That's how they came into existence. And uh, yeah, the executive order part. And this is where Biden has really got to be better because polling for him right now is terrible. And it's going to, if nothing else, it's going to drag down the Democrats. Mm -hmm. chances of doing well in the midterms and I, and i i feel like he put a lot out there he put a lot and i I'm, i congratulate him on putting out the build back better plan which just completely disappeared off the face of the earth in terms of its legislative fate yeah it's completely gone and so the the democrats are in real serious trouble of promising too much and delivering not enough and that's going to hurt them a lot not unless we build Biden better. We yeah we may we may have to put build Jill Biden better in office in order to make any of that kind of stuff happen. No, I hope not. From Stat Magazine, two years into the COVID nineteen pandemic, it's easy to lament all that has come to pass. But let's stop for a moment and consider something else. We have witnessed, and we are the beneficiary of a freaking miracle. Yeah. That miracle is the development, testing, manufacturing, and global distribution of COVID vaccines. Yep. At least 55% of the 7.9 billion people inhabiting this planet have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. In affluent parts of the world, anybody who believes in the protective powers of vaccines has had the opportunity to be vaccinated for months now, all except kids under the age of five because it hasn't been approved. And... It isn't just wealthy countries. Colombia, Morocco, Sri Lanka, El Salvador, Mongolia, and Tonga have all fully vaccinated about the same proportion of their populations, roughly 64%, as has the United States. What has been accomplished in the 25 months since Chinese scientists first shared the genetic sequence of the new dis newly discovered SARS-CoV-2 virus has defied predictions of the most optimistic prognosticators. Yes, that's true. The previous fastest vaccine ever developed would just be entering into the clinic now, right. today. Right. Meanwhile, we've delivered 11 billion doses. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Truly. What do you think? So Mahler's far. Dead? Yeah. I mean, a shout out from Mother. The, the death toll in the United States of America as we sit here on this beautiful February 18th date uh -huh. is 930 thousand so far so far yeah now we could be without the, oh yeah the death toll yeah. death toll 
I mean, we could be well into a couple Well, they said of, an additional 1.1 million. Yeah. An additional 1.1 so, million if we hadn't come up with a vaccine. So we'd be looking at over 2 million people dead exactly. right now if we had yeah. I know. I, I agree. And to the extent that this has, has uh, given science another leg up on how to approach these kinds of issues and how you go about developing these vaccines more effectively and quicker is to our benefit, to yeah. all of our benefit. And what did you say, $930 billion? No, 930,000. Million, I mean 930,000, what am I thinking? Yeah, yeah. 930,000 people have died so far. In the it United would have been States. substantially less if it hadn't been for jackals like Donald Trump right. and people who were saying it didn't matter. Right. And they just make up your own mind on this. Yeah, I know. I know, and we wouldn't still be looking at a 25 to 30% non-vaccinated rate in the United States. Yeah. If you're any of those people that encourage that kind of behavior of not getting the vaccine, you have blood on your hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, freedom be damned. It has nothing to do with freedom. Well, I mean, it has to do with your ignorance. There is a moral dilemma. And I, I don't know. I'm not I'm speak on behalf of anyone in the medical industry, but the the unvaccinated when they show up at hospitals. Yeah, there must be a lot of. Yeah, can I get the vaccine well, now? Well, when they show up in in a state of a, a condition where they're close to, they're going to yeah, die. But there are cases where they've come yeah, in like that, yeah, yeah. begging for the vaccine. Begging for the vaccine. I mean, of course, they're going to get the vaccine if they if it's available. All the rest of it, but it's no, it they won't. It's it, not going to do them any good at a, all. There's a moral question here that it shouldn't have to be. Yeah, we shouldn't have to be dealing with it. From NPR. A Catholic priest in Arizona resigned after he was found to have to have performed baptisms incorrectly throughout his career, rendering the in the right invalid for thousands of people. This is where religion really goes off the rails. The Catholic Diocese of Phoenix announced on its website that it determined after careful study that the Reverend Andres Aranjo had used the wrong wording for in baptisms performed since 1995. He has been he had been off by a single word during baptisms in both English and Spanish. Arango used the phrase we baptize you instead of I baptize you. Now, this is what the Catholic Church says. It is not the community that baptizes a person and incorporates them into the Church of Christ, meaning we. Rather, it is Christ and Christ alone who presides at all sacraments. Therefore, it is Christ who baptizes. That's what they said. If you were baptized using the wrong words, that means your baptism is invalid and you are not baptized. This is them. I started thinking, though, isn't the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? There I mean, you go. There that's you one go. in three. Yeah. Three. We. Yeah. This is. And again. they mention the Holy Ghost in the sacrament. Again, if. But why uh, do I have to point that out I, to them? They're, look, I have tremendous religion respect for is full of crap. Religious people, but well, that's I, just nuts. To a, to a point. Yeah, uh, this is nuts. That's nuts. Baptism is a sacrament that grants access to all other sacraments. Yes. So a botched baptism could invalidate all oh subsequent sacraments, oh including God. confirmation, marriage, and holy orders, whatever the hell that is. I know what it is. What is it? Holy orders is being ordained as a... Oh, as a, oh I got you. Yeah, I thought it was when you went into McDonald's. <laughs> You know, if a priest goes to McDonald's, it's it's a holy order. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, do fries go with that shake? What this means for you is, if your baptism was invalid and you've received other sacraments, you may need to repeat some or all of those sacraments after you are validly baptized. Yeah. They get married again. 
<sighs> That's what the diocese said. That's just... Aranjo apologized for the inconvenience his actions caused. He resigned as pastor and said he would devote his energy and full-time ministry to help remedy this and heal those affected. Um... He remains a priest in good standing, according to the diocese. The diocese said that while the situation may seem legalistic, the words, materials, and actions are crucial aspects of every sacrament, and changing them makes them invalid. For example, if a priest uses milk instead of wine during the consecration of the Eucharist, that's what the diocese said. The sacrament is not valid. Oh, hell yes, it is. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's... The milk would not become the blood of Christ. Well, let me tell you, tell you Catholics out there, the wine is not the blood of Christ. It's a metaphor. You know, when you hear I it. I could put urine in a cup. Wasn't that the point? It was. It was. Yeah. You know, this, yes, this is, these are the kind of stories where you want to use the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. Yeah, and he would totally understand, it, it too. Totally. Yes. Jesus effing Christ, what's wrong with the Catholics? <laughs> and finally, from Forbes. In an elegant suburb of Florence, Italy, Italian nerves had begun to fray. Yeah. Day and night, at all hours, the bells of the local church rang incessantly because of one man, priest Don Leonardo Guerri. Residents were for so long subjected to the Guerri's chimes hundreds of times a day that they couldn't take the holy racket anymore. <laughs> the War of the Bells, as a local newspaper called it, dragged on for four years with legal proceedings, petitions, and checks for noise pollution. Finally, Tuscany's Regional Agency for Environmental Protection stepped in and issued the priest with a fine. Guerri was required to pay a penalty of 2,000 euros and told to ease up on the chimes. He has since declined to comment. But in the local bar, word is he's taking his revenge by playing the violin from the bell tower. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.